Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is Layla. And I'm Safia. And, and we, we are unapologetic. unapologetic. Welcome to part four of our Ramadan series. On today's episode, we will look at just 19 through 24. Let's begin with just 19. <laughs> وَإِذَا مَرِضْتُ فَهُوَ يَشْفِينَ وَالَّذِي يُمِيتُنِي ثُمَّ يُحِينَ وَالَّذِي أَطْمَعُ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ لِي خَطِيئَتِي يَوْمَ الدِّينَ Who created me, and is he who guides me, and is he who feeds me and gives me drink, and when I am ill, it is he who cures me, and who will cause me to die and then bring me to life and who I aspire that he will forgive me my sin on the day of recompense. These words were said by Prophet Ibrahim and what he said gives us a look at the many favors Allah has bestowed upon us. He starts off by saying that it is Allah who created him and then guided him, which shows us that we were not created to be lost, misguided, without purpose, no sense of direction. Guidance originates from Allah. At least 17 times a day, we stand in prayer and make the supplication, guide us to the straight path. It was narrated that Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu said, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I have divided the prayer between myself and my slave into two halves, and my slave shall have what he has asked for. When the servant says, guide us to the straight path, the path of those upon whom you have bestowed favor, not of those who have evoked your anger, or of those who are astray. Allah says, this is for my servant, and my servant will receive what he asks for. So when we stand in prayer, do we stand with a present heart, a heart conscious of Allah, and longing for his guidance? Ibrahim salam then says, it is Allah who feeds him and gives him drink. The Prophet wasallam said, Allah is pleased with his slave who eats a meal and praises him for it, and takes a drink and praises him for it. Ibrahim salam then says, that when he is ill, it is Allah who cures him. So here, he is attributing sickness to himself, even though Allah has decreed it. Ibrahim salam is not saying, it is Allah who makes me ill. The cure comes from Allah. Sometimes we focus so much on what can cure us, rather than the one who can cure. Ibrahim salam says that he aspires, he hopes to be forgiven on the day of judgment. Think about the high status that he has as a messenger. Remember that he's the close friend of Allah. He's the one who built the foundation of the Kaaba. He was known for his loyalty and sincerity towards Allah and the deen. We even mention him alongside the Prophet ﷺ in prayer. He acknowledges that nobody is able to forgive sins in this world and the next except Allah. What do we long for? Do our hopes include being forgiven by Allah? In Hadith Qudsi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh my servants, all of you are astray except for those I have guided. So seek guidance of me and I shall guide you. O my servants, all of you are hungry except for those I have fed. So seek food of me and I shall feed you. O my servants, all of you are naked except for those I have clothed. So seek clothing of me and I shall clothe you. O my servants, you sin by night and by day and I forgive all sins. So seek forgiveness of me and I shall forgive you. When we learn about Allah, we will put him first. When we realize that guidance, provision, health, and forgiveness comes from him, we will focus less on what people can do for us and more on what Allah can do for us. We have a Lord who loves to give, so let's fix our relationship with him. Let's now learn from Juz 20. 
Do the people think that they will be left to say, we believe, and they will not be tried? This ayah is a rebuke in the form of a question. Do the people think that they will be left and not tested? So a person will just say that I believe in Allah, I believe in his messengers and what was revealed to them. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not test them. This ayah shows us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test us all. And this is according to our level of faith. We learn from hadith that the people most severely tested are the prophets, then the righteous, then the next best and the next best. Let's look at the example of Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam for a second. He was commanded to sacrifice his son Ismail alayhi salam. And now you don't need to be a parent to imagine how hard this may be. And yet he passed this test from Allah. And in another instance, he was tested. Now this test was after preaching the message of Tawheed. His people became upset at that fact. And they plotted to burn him to death. This also included his own father. They collected wood and created a fire. And there was never a fire like it before. Then they put Ibrahim السلام, into this fire. And when they threw him in, he said, Sufficient for me is Allah, and he is the best disposer of affairs. Now when he was thrown into the fire, the angel of rain said, When will I be commanded to send rain? But the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was more swift. And he ordered the fire to be cool and safe for Ibrahim السلام. And we learned so much from this. The best of people, the people closest to Allah, they were tested in unimaginable ways. In Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 214, Allah says, Until the messenger and those who believed with him said, When is the help of Allah? Unquestionably, the help of Allah is near. Note here that the prophets said when and not where meaning they knew the help of Allah was coming. They were just questioning at what time. Tests will come your way, but do these increase us in our iman? Whenever we are tested, it calls for reflection. Do these tests bring us closer or further from the direction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Fitna is a trial or test, and this trial or test purifies a believer. The word fitna is the process of purifying gold through heating it. So the impure parts are removed. So think of trials that come your way as a process that will remove your sins and raise your ranks. Always remember that a trial that brings you closer to Allah is a trial worth going through. Let's look at just 21. وَلَوْ أَنَّمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ مِنْ شَجَرَةٍ أَقْلَامٌ وَالْبَحْرُ يَمُدُّهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ سَبْعَةُ أَبْحُرٍ مَّا نَفِدَتْ كَلِمَاتُ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ And if whatever trees upon the earth were pens, and the sea was ink, replenished thereafter by seven more seas, the words of Allah would not be exhausted. Indeed, Allah is exalted in might and wise. Imagine if you had a map and you were told by the creator of this map that it leads you to the right direction, but you got distracted, maybe you didn't care, maybe you didn't take it seriously. You realize that you end up at the wrong destination, and you knew that this map was your salvation, but you didn't hold on to it. You decided to put it behind your back. Now what will be the case for those who throw the words of Allah behind their backs choosing something else as their guide. What will happen when such a person is lost? And who will that person have to blame? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that his words would never be exhausted. And this shows us his might, his power, 
his majesty. If all of the trees on earth were made into pens and the sea was made into ink and topped up with seven more like it, and they were used to write the words of Allah, the pens would break and the ink would run dry, even if more were brought. Many of us think that learning the Qur'an is something far-fetched, that learning the Qur'an is an opportunity that has long departed, but the fact is, this is not the case. Many of us have neglected this book, and that is a sad and harsh reality. The dunya has been made fair-seeming to us, and we exhaust ourselves with everything but the Qur'an. We exhaust ourselves in learning many, many words, but deprive ourselves of the goodness that comes from learning the words of Allah. For the entire year, we are looking forward to the month of Ramadan. People post, Oh Ramadan, come forth, for the hearts are ill. People are craving to feel that connection. And that connection isn't really with the month itself. It is because of the fact that the Qur'an was revealed in this month. People who never step foot in the masjid will become sore standing in prayer, listening to the Qur'an. But what happens when this month ends? The same Qur'an that connects you to the month of Ramadan is the same Qur'an during the rest of the year. If you truly love that feeling that Ramadan brings, hold on to the Qur'an and you will hold on to that feeling. Learning the Qur'an won't always be easy and you might have to suffer. I know of a student of Qur'an who comes to class every single day because she wants to learn the kalam of Allah. In fact, the Qur'an has become an escape for her. She has a unique condition in which the pain she feels is like no other. Some days she feels like her entire body is on fire. Doctors don't have a diagnosis for her. Only Allah knows her condition. But she comes to class every single day because this Qur'an has found a place in her heart. This Qur'an is enjoyment for her. This Qur'an actually means something to her. I know of some reverts who make dua every single night for Allah to loosen their tongues, for the Qur'an to be easy on their tongues. They spend months and months learning one short surah in hope that it will stay with them, in hope that it will be easy for them to recite. What is the case for people who grew up with the Qur'an, who have had the Qur'an in their homes since birth? I want to leave you all with one verse from the Holy Qur'an. Has the time not come for those who have believed that their hearts should become humbly submissive at the remembrance of Allah and what has come down of the truth? I want you to ask yourself, has the time not come to learn the Qur'an? Let's now learn from just 22. وَمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُكُمْ بِالَّتِي تُقَرِّبُكُمْ عِنْدَنَا زُلْفَا إِلَّا مَنْ آمَنَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا فَأُولَئِكَ لَهُمْ جَزَاءُ الضِّعْفِ بِمَا عَمِلُوا وَهُمْ فِي الْغُرْفَاتِ آمِنُونَ And it is not your wealth or your children that bring you near to us in position. But it is by being one who has believed and done righteousness. For them, there will be the double reward for what they did. And they will be in the upper chambers of paradise, safe and secure. We often calculate and determine success based on worldly status. We look to people married, with a career, kids, nice car, and beautiful home as beloved people to Allah. And we assume them to be blessed. But this may very well be a trial for this individual. And we know the saying that not everything that glitters is gold. We try and redefine Allah's pleasure. 
But in this ayat, Allah breaks it down for us and informs us that this is not his criteria for earning nearness to him and nearness that we so desperately need. He says, it is by believing, and this is believing at the level of the heart, the level of the tongue and the level of the limbs and doing righteousness. That is what brings you closer to him. In Hadith Qudsi, we learn, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, My slave does not draw closer to me by anything more beloved to me than that which I have made obligatory upon him. And my slave continues to draw closer to me by doing nafil deeds until I love him. And if I love him, I will be his hearing with which he hears, his vision with which he sees, his hand with which he strikes and his foot with which he walks. And if he were to ask of me, I would surely give to him. And if he were to seek refuge with me, I would surely grant him refuge. I do not hesitate about anything that I want to do, as I hesitate to take the soul of a believer. For he hates death, and I hate to hurt him. This hadith clearly states the way to become a close friend of Allah. So we need to stop basing Allah's love on cheap, momentary things. Rather, focus on keeping up with the fara'id, praying five times a day, giving zakat fasting, making hajj, and all other obligations. Then once you have firmly established your obligations, continue on to do what is extra. Pray sunnah prayers. Stand for qiyam al-layl. Stand for the night prayers. Pray witr. Do extra deeds that will increase in your love of Allah and his love of you. It's amazing though that Allah mentions wealth and children in this ayat. Because we spend our whole lives in pursuit of these things. We want more and more of each. But we have to keep in mind that these don't guarantee nearness to Allah. Rather, they are two means that if used correctly can draw us closer to him. Let's reflect on just 23. <laughs> and there came from the farthest end of the city a man running. He said, O my people, follow the messengers. Follow those who do not ask of you any payment, and they are rightly guided. And why should I not worship he who created me, and to whom you will be returned? Should I take other than him as false deities, while if the most merciful intends for me some adversity, their intercession will not avail me at all, nor can they save me. Indeed, I would then be in manifest error. Indeed, I have believed in your Lord, so listen to me. It was said, Enter paradise. He said, I wish my people could know of how my Lord has forgiven me and placed me among the honored. An example is presented to us of people from a city in which messengers were sent to. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent two messengers to the city. They denied. So Allah sent a third to strengthen them. They called the messengers liars. They rejected the message. They even threatened the messengers. The messengers stood firm, not backing down. And then we learn about this man. This man that came from the farthest part of town and he came running. He came rushing. He came in a very, very quick manner. And this is telling us something. This man was not even in the immediate vicinity of where the messengers were, but he is rushing with an important message. He says, Oh my people, follow the messengers. And following the messengers means to accept them, means to obey them. Following means that you internalize and you live by their message, the message of Tawheed. So this man doesn't just say to follow the messengers, the same messengers that these people ridiculed, that these people rejected. And now he gives them a reason why they should follow the messengers. He says, follow those who do not ask of you of any payment and they are the rightly guided. And when you think about this word, ajr, ajr is something that you get because of work that you've done. It's something that you deserve. It's something that is your right. You are entitled to it. And look at the wording here. This man is telling the people to follow those same messengers who do not ask you of anything. Though they spend their time on you, they wait for you, they sacrifice for you, they continue to be well-wishers for you. They communicate to you, they want you to be on the right path. Allah is saying that these messengers are not even asking for a justified, entitled return. And this is the reality of every messenger. Every messenger that was sent to his nation did not ask of anything. Rather, they would say that their reward was only with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He then also gives another reason why they should follow the messengers. He says because they are the ones who are rightly guided. They have been guided in the way that they live their lives. And we can truly understand this because when we look at the lives of the messengers, everything about them was exemplary. And then he says, And why should I not worship he who created me and to whom you will be returned? So look at how he gives them advice. He gives them advice by talking about himself. When he's lecturing these people, he doesn't say, you people are not believing. You people are not obeying the one who created you. You people are not appreciating the one who you return to. Instead, he speaks about himself. He is saying, why wouldn't I worship the one who created me? Then he gives them time to reflect that your return will be to him. So why don't you worship him? He then goes back to his main message. He asks, should I take other than Allah? When it is Allah who intends for me some harm, some adversity, their intercession will not avail me. So if he were to take a false God other than Allah, when Allah were to bring a test his way, nobody would help that person except for Allah. And it's true because if Allah intends adversity for someone, nobody else can intervene. Nobody else could come in and help. He then says, indeed, I would then be in manifest error. So if I was to do this, then I would most definitely be in a situation where I would be misguided. He then says something very, very powerful. He says, Indeed, I have believed in your Lord, so listen to me. So he proclaims to the people and says with confidence, he stands firm and he openly declares his support for these messengers. He says, I have believed. And if you realize this is in past tense, so it has already been concluded. I have already believed in your Lord. And he says, your Lord to make them think because it is your Lord, your master. You're not willing to believe in him. You're being ungrateful to him, but he is still your Lord. 
This Lord is your Lord, whether you want to believe it or not, listen to me, because this is for your benefit. It was then said to him, enter paradise. He was speaking to his people and right after the mention of paradise. This abrupt transfer to the hereafter conveys the meaning that the man met a violent death at the hands of the disbelievers, and so he was martyred for the cause of Allah. He was being commanded to enter Jannah. And the first thing he says is, I wish my people could know. I wish my people could know this. If only my people could know this. So even in the afterlife, he is thinking about his people. He is thinking about the people who he openly talked about Allah to. And this shows his sincerity. We see just how much he cared about his people. Even though he's already in Jannah, he still is thinking about the people that harmed him. And the messengers were the same. The Prophet ﷺ cried for people. He felt their pain. And he says, If only my people could know of how my Lord has forgiven me and has placed me among the honored. So what this man did before, we do not know. But we do know that Allah gave him Jannah. We do know that Allah forgave him. And we can see his sacrifice because he was willing to stand up for the truth. He was willing to support the message of the truth. So he isn't just honored himself, but he's also amongst people who are honored as well. And this shows us the importance company plays on a person. That company reflects a person. So after looking at these verses, we learn a beautiful example of how to call to Allah, how to remain steadfast, how to remain firm and confident in your deen, and how to be of those who support the messengers and their message. These verses tell us what our role is. A part of being grateful for our deen is to voice our support and become those who actually carry on the message of the Prophet ﷺ, those who spread the Qur'an, those who spread the sunnah. It is our obligation and our responsibility for us to actually be able to promote our deen and the perfection of our deen. We have to live it ourselves. We have to show it. And one of the biggest ways we can do da'wah is in how we conduct ourselves, in how we deal with people. One of the biggest problems and turnoffs to people who start coming closer to the religion is the fact that when they are around people who are quote-unquote religious or so-called practicing, they see the unfortunate reality of people talking the talk but not walking the walk. And there's a complete contradiction. And when people see this contradiction, they do not want to get closer to Allah. They do not want to take steps in learning this deen because they forget that this deen is perfect, but the people are flawed. If we take this man's example, he was not selfish at all. But a problem that we have today is, is that the same people only care about the guidance of those close to them. This man came running from the farthest part of the city because he understood how important it was to not only support the truth, but to also spread the truth. This man also openly declared his support for the messengers. He wasn't someone that was sitting at home, reading his books, learning only for the salvation of his own self. And this is a problem nowadays. People learn, but they do not want to teach. People learn, but they do not want to spread what they learn. And the Prophet ﷺ said, convey from me even if it is one verse. So what now can we say about the people who have read books upon books upon books? 
and only care for the guidance of themselves. Beneficial knowledge is not meant to be hoarded and stored just for yourself. Because if we are following the prophets and the messengers, we would understand the importance of spreading the message, especially when we know the truth. Da'wah is reaching out to the people who don't necessarily come to the masjid. Da'wah is reaching out to the people who do not know the Qur'an, who do not know how to better themselves. Da'wah is not that you see a wet floor, you put a sign, you go away. People fall, people slip, people break their bones, but you don't care because you put that sign and you did enough. Da'wah is done because we care about people. And if you think about the Prophet wasallam, who cared more about people than him? There are many people out there who are living in many darknesses. There are people who want to understand the Qur'an. There are people who want to cry because of their love for Allah, because of their understanding of their deen. But sometimes other people do not help facilitate the means for them. Rather, they push them away from these gatherings. They push them away from these circles. We have such an amazing example in this story, in this man who is preserved until the Day of Judgment in the Quran because of his actions. And because of his actions, he was admitted into Jannah. Let us all be well-wishers and spread the beneficial knowledge that we have. And now for the final juz of this episode, juz 24. <laughs> Say, O my servants who have transgressed against themselves by sinning, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Indeed, Allah forgives all sins. Indeed, it is He who is the forgiving, the merciful. If we look at this ayah, the first thing that we see is that Allah says, Qul. Allah says, Say. Say this ayat. Tell this ayat to people. Spread this ayat to people. Because people are in desperate need of knowing that they have a forgiving and merciful Lord. Allah says, O oh my servants. Allah refers to us, the same people who are committing sins against Allah. He refers to us as my people, a word of endearment. And then he says, who have transgressed against themselves. Now, when you commit a sin, you do no harm to Allah. You take away nothing from Allah. Rather, you take away from yourself. You take away Jannah from yourself. You take away opportunities to do more khayr. Allah tells these same people, O oh, my servants, 
my servants who commit sins, my servants who are out here displeasing me, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. And on an individual level, I know how hard it is to keep this you know, this good supposition of Allah when you're at your lowest points. Because a lot of times we're committing so much sins and sometimes these sins are back to back and so frequent that we feel so far away from Allah, that we hate ourselves, that when we look ourselves in the mirror, we no longer recognize ourselves as a Muslim, as somebody who's devoutly obedient to Allah. And I know how hard it is to get to that point and to be there and to feel like there's no escape. But Allah tells us the escape. Allah says it's not despairing because the shaitan wants us to despair. The shaitan wants us to think that Allah will not forgive you for that sin. He wants us to think that you're not sincere, that you don't have the ability to make correct tawbah, that you don't have the ability to close the door of evil and never open it again. But Allah, Rabbul Alam, mean the lord of all worlds the lord who in his hands is everything tells us about himself to not despair of his mercy this is an ayat that calls for reflection because a lord who tells you a lord who tells you not to despair at his mercy is a lord who is merciful allah says that he forgives all sins no matter what sin that you have committed, it is not greater than the forgiveness of Allah. Stop looking at the sin. Rather look at how much Allah forgives. Look at that. Because if you sinned every single day and went back to Allah and asked for forgiveness, you would be forgiven. And then he says, after saying that he's forgiven, he once again mentions his mercy. He says, the merciful. Allah doesn't need to mention his mercy twice. He doesn't need to reiterate himself. But the purpose of this is that so you know that he is forgiving because he is merciful. Allah loves us more than our own parents love us. And can you imagine the love that a parent has for their child? It is a love like no other. Allah loves us more than this. And Allah wants good for us. Allah wants us to repent. Allah doesn't ask for us to be perfect Muslims. Allah has never requested that. Rather, how many times does Allah tell us to make tawbah? And how many times does Allah have to tell us to make tawbah before we make tawbah? Because some people have passed away before even being given the tawfiq, the ability to make tawbah. And if you are listening to this today and you have committed sins that you feel are weighing, are weighing you down, go and make tawbah tonight. Don't wait for tomorrow, I beg of you, because tomorrow is not always promised. Each and every one of us will stand in front of Allah. And if you didn't beg for mercy in the dunya, if you didn't beg for forgiveness in the dunya, do you think you will be able to ask for forgiveness and mercy on the day of judgment? So alhamdulillah, with that, we come to the end of part four of our Ramadan series. We are almost at the end. If you have any reflections, any comments, anything you want to share with us, feel free to connect with us. We have a Twitter. Follow us at underscore be unapologetic. We look forward to completing this Ramadan journey with you all in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.